0: It's Friday, March 10th. You're listening to WXXI News. I'm Raquel Steven. A third woman who was trampled by a large crowd following a Glorilla concert Sunday at the Main Street Armory has died. Rochester police identified her as 35-year-old Ayesha Stevens of Syracuse. Stevens had been in critical condition at Strong Memorial Hospital since the weekend. Her death follows those of 33-year-old Rondesha Belton of Buffalo and 35-year-old Brandy Miller of Rochester. Seven other people were also hospitalized with injuries that authorities dis- Described as non-life threatening, efforts are underway in Rochester to help people dealing with the emotional trauma related to this incident at the concert. City officials say they are working with a local organization to help people process their grief and trauma. The city is collaborating with Ubuntu Village Works to offer healing circle, safe spaces where concertgoers can talk openly about the hurt and pain they suffered due to what happened on Sunday. Aaliyah Hinton-Williams is the city's manager of Crisis Intervention Services. She says many people in Rochester were affected by Sunday's tragedy, either directly or indirectly. We understand that community trauma is a very real thing, and we want to interrupt that process. One of the goals of Crisis Intervention Services is to be a part of the intervening and the interruption and the supporting of those who are dealing with community traumas. The healing circles are being held both in person and virtually at a city city building on St. Paul Street through at least March 15th. The push to ramp up U.S. chip manufacturing could mean big business for a national photonics program based here in Rochester. WXXI's Brian Sharp reports operators are looking to invest millions to seize the opportunity.
1: Defense contractors and toolmakers already are said to be knocking at the door of the program's research hub on Lake Avenue. Now, when I say tool, I'm not talking about a wrench or screwdriver. I'm talking about a high-tech machine that is the size of somewhere between a desk and a city bus. That's Wade Cook, executive director for AIM Photonics. He took the reins last fall and on Thursday, asked the group's governing board to okay millions of dollars for new tools he says are needed to ensure the local facility has the ability and capacity to meet demand. According to this contractor, they've looked all over the U.S. and there's no place that can do what they need done, except here in Rochester. Photonics uses light to do the work of electricity, but much faster and more efficiently. The industry is in its early stages. AIM Photonics is meant to accelerate its growth. The Department of Defense is a major backer. So, too, is New York State. If the state agrees to the funding recommendations, the new spending will exhaust the remainder of the $250 million New York committed to AIM Photonics back in 2015. Brian Sharp, WXXI News.
0: For more than 30 years, the Hungerford building has been a refuge for working artists who were drawn to the complex's cheap rent and supportive creative community. But this week, about two dozen artists there formed a tenant's union to pressure the new owner of the building to end practices that they say have led to an exodus. WXXI's David Andriata has the story.
1: Yes. Do, you guys, do you guys want to vote on the association? Yes. Who yes. wants to be a part of the tenant's
0: association? That's majority. That one's cool.
2: Jason Ferguson, a ceramics artist who works and lives in the Hungerford, shares the fears of a lot of tenants who voted to join the
1: union. This is like my sanctuary. This is like where I come to like enjoy it and to express what's in my soul. And that's in jeopardy right now. There's like a whole bunch of uncertainty. The
2: uncertainty, they say, stems from the new landlord levying new common area charges and his refusal to renew annual leases, except on a month-to-month basis. That's what led Julia Deal to recently move her sewing business when her lease expired after eight years in the Hungerford. And I just decided at that point that I can't make plans and organize my business properly, never knowing whether I'm going to
1: be able to stay in my space or not.
2: The Hungerford changed ownership last year when real estate developer Peter Hungerford bought the complex for $8 million. He's a distant relation to the late food processing tycoon whose name is on the building. He says since then he has invested more than a million dollars in new elevators, parking, and security systems. Not renewing leases, he says, was a necessary short-term way for him to become acquainted with the building and see what work needed to be done. A, we have never kicked a single person out or asked them to leave. B, we do expect to offer longer-term leases maybe as early as later this year, but I, like, it's, it just has to do with our process of understanding the building and feeling like we've totally wrapped our arms around it. Hungerford says around 20 of about 170 tenants have left. Their departure has stoked speculation among those who remain that Hungerford intends to slowly root out all of them to make way for tenants who are willing to pay more or convert the building into high-end condominiums. But Hungerford says that's not happening. If I wanted to do that, I would have done that already. Like, I'm totally within my rights to do that. I haven't for a reason because I expect to maintain this as an artist community. David Andrietta, WXXI News.
0: And you can find more local news on our website, wxxinews.org.